Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Comic Chronicle Podcast. I'm your guys' host, Dakota Morgan, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. Today, we have a really special guest on the show. Maria Nello is on the show. Maria and I talk about so many things. We talk about, obviously, her work in comics, comics journalism, working on the legendary book, pun intended, Kingdom Kong, the prequel tie-in to, that's also canon, by the way, the prequel tie-in tied into Godzilla versus Kong, the movie an amazing amazing book make sure you guys check it out with amazing art amazing storytelling and such as well we talk about theater writing be nervous about being a writer and very very good motivational stuff for future writers out there and a lot about theater to say the least as well too and acting and writing and bringing in the life of course con in comic book form with all this sort of jazz i don't want to spoil too much of it because it's really really fun really really good you guys all rock make sure you guys check out the store dakotamorgan.store it's a new thing we got and of course if you want any paleo merch on there video game merch uh stuff for the podcast as well with our little you know superhero logo to say the least here superhero-esque that is on the podcast well, that is on the store, dakotamorgan.store on there. It's a T Public store. And as well, if you guys want, I'm on Twitter at dakotamorgan3, Instagram at dakota underscore morgan97, and on Twitch, kotarex97 if you want to catch me live or on Uncut for video games. And if you guys want to follow on social media to keep in touch with the podcast, stuff I do with animals, paleo, comics, all the jazz like that. But without me rambling on, folks, let me dive right into our talk with Marie. And, every- and yes, it is a go. So Marie, I got it. I say this to everybody because I'm a man of, not I was gonna say culture a little bit, but something <laughs> I was gonna, a man of respect to say the least. Welcome to the show. I like to say that to everybody. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. It's an honor to have you here. To be honest with you, like Aww. it, it it really is because I, I thought I was one who did stuff all because you and I both write comic books, mm-hmm. but you and I both don't just write comic books. We live like. A Swiss Army life, to say the least, here, because we're just we're all over the place. We are. No, that's that's a great way to put it. I've like I've tried to uh, like describe it to people where it's you know I'm like a Renaissance man, or you know it's like a, oh. you know it's it's a it's a double life, but really yeah, a Swiss Army life is a great way to put it. You're welcome. I, you can use that by the way too. There's a few people I know in the film industry that I work into, and mm-hmm. they use it a lot. They're like, oh, Swiss Army life. Why? Mm-hmm. Well, multiple jobs. Yep. Yep. There you go. Oh, I mean. Do you, it's it's so it's crazy because there's a lot of people who I know. There's friends of mine, fellow comic book writers, that say, uh, "How are you on drugs?" Because <laughs> and, and I like people who listen to the show, longtime listeners know. Like I work, write comic books. I work in the film industry. I write seven books, to be honest with you, too, mm-hmm. for SGGS Comics. I also my full time job is also working as a veterinary assistant at an exotic animal hospital, and then volunteering at a reptile preserve. Good lord! Podcast. I still have some. I have a girlfriend. She hasn't left me yet. <laughs> um, so it's it's a lot, and then doing acting stuff when I can. You know, trying mm-hmm. to do voice acting similar to you, and yeah, I, it, it's a lot. Like, what do you what do you do yourself to handle? Oh it my up? god! Well, like so. Um... For anybody listening who uh, doesn't know my full roster of stuff, so yeah, I write comics. Uh, I also write prose. I do comics journalism. I've, you know, I do book reviews. I write book reviews for Kirkus, among other things. Um, but then I also, I was trained as an opera singer. Um, I sing opera. I do musical theater. Oh my cabaret. God. Yeah, like I, I do a lot of live performance in and around the city, and um, and then I also really in the advent of um, 
of the pandemic, like I really leaned uh, a lot into doing voiceover work and I'm on a couple podcasts now. Um, and then on top of all of this, I also just like, uh, I, I spent a long time working in the publishing industry at a literary agency office, just as an office assistant, okay. uh, while juggling all of these other things. Uh, so the way that I deal with it for the most part is, um, I rely very heavily on my partner to keep me sane and remind me to like sleep and eat. But I mean, uh, in all seriousness, yeah. what it really comes down to for me is um, I am a very meticulous scheduler. I have a color-coded uh, yeah. planner and a color-coded Google, uh, you know, what is it called? Google calendar. Oh, and yeah, yeah. I, I like, I cross-reference everything. I plan out, especially with comics writing, I plan out very meticulously, like how long I think something's going to take me. And then inevitably that thing takes 10 times as long. And I, I try to adjust for that as well. But really what it comes down to, because I've, I've definitely had moments, even in just like this last month, because uh, a lot of, a lot of theater stuff is starting to come back in small fits and starts here in New York like mm. I went from having a completely empty schedule my days were very unstructured and I was mostly working on like small projects to suddenly like I had three auditions a day and I was running oh, all shit. over the place and I had like uh I I, I had a callback that came up which was really exciting and then like I also had a, a table read for a new podcast that I'm on and I had to go to a voice lesson with my voice teacher who then springs on me like oh my voice teacher's getting married and she wants me in the wedding party and so oh. now that's that's on the schedule so it's like all of these uh all of these things all crop up very suddenly and I try the biggest thing I can say for anybody who's embarking on a Swiss Army life is, as as lame as it sounds, like schedule in time to take breaks, like schedule in time yeah. to turn your brain off. Because that that was a problem. It took me a long time to figure out was that I would crash really hard. I'd get sick really hard. Like I would do a yes. show and then immediately after I would just like get a cold. And really what it comes down to is like giving yourself time to just not do anything. Like it's it's so anathema to like... I think the American work ethic uh, that, you know, you always have to be productive, but you really don't. You should allow yourself time to not be productive. A hundred percent agree. One hundred percent. There's like without it, by the way, too, you're doing way better scheduling than me because I have not <laughs> got to the color coordinated yet. I partner her girlfriend. She keeps me in line, too. She reminds me, like, you need to sleep, and mm -hmm. like to eat, mm -hmm. and you need to drink something other than coffee. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the amount of times I've been yelled at about water, bless you, the amount of times I've been yelled at about water <laughs> alone is like, you need to drink water. Like, I know. Um, but you're absolutely right in that you do need to take breaks. Like, I, like, even no matter what time it is, like, I think, like, I give myself that extra, like, I stay up a little bit longer at nighttime a little bit mm -hmm. to, I don't know if you do this, if this is a bad way or not, because you, mm -hmm. you're more of an expert, is, <laughs> I would say so, definitely, is I think that lit, that extra hour or two at night where mm -hmm. you just, like, watch something on a computer or just, like, rest your eyes or she got me an ASMR to listen to that oh. for a little bit. Or, you know, watch a TV show. So that's what I've been doing. And it works. I, I don't, yeah. that extra break time, that little, like, let's forget about all the work you got to do and just mm -hmm. nerd out or read yeah. a book, something yeah. like that. Just chill. Yeah, I completely agree. Like I, for me, like I have tried, I, I fail a lot. So, you know, I'm not an expert, but like I have tried more often to not use screens uh, before bed. Like I know that there are some folks who believe really hard in like, you know, bed hygiene and stuff like that, where you don't, you don't bring any electronics into your bedroom. I'm not, I'm not like that. 
but um but i definitely have found that um you know either either reading like a paper book or uh what i tend to do like because i have this little you know i i am not like by any means a uh like a bullet journal person in the sense that like i don't i don't do a lot of the really uh detailed stuff that a lot of people do but i like going through and just like drawing out the calendar for the next month or like mm. going through and writing down like I, I make a lot of lists and I like sitting down with a pen and paper and just writing out a list of the things that I I have in my my head because trying to hold it all in your head is going to make you go crazy exactly I got a yeah. journal for that same reason like mm -hmm. I have a journal with me I even take it to work at the hospital it's like I'm on lunch there and I've been thinking maybe thinking about something I could be doing wound treatment on like an animal and I got God. like blood all in my hands and I'm like oh wait a minute I could do that in the storyline and that has happened to me numerous times that is incredible like I cannot even I can't imagine working like in a hospital setting uh and and doing everything else that is that is wild it's it's insane like you but you know what it's um a friend of mine talked to me about it Jesse Lozano he shout out to him produces the show a little bit he came in and he's like well how do you do all that sort of stuff like because I deal with the carnivores and stuff like that too and maybe stuff on the weekends I'm like well the goal is like it's it's a good balance and good life to live of living a life of art and science. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's yeah. and it keeps brain going. Like I think I because I my I got Alzheimer's that or passed out of my family a lot. I'm like this is gonna keep me alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I gotta fight that early on here. But I mean it's it's fun. It's very fun, entertaining and stuff. It has sad days. Let me tell you, there is those days where I'm like I'm gonna take a night off from all the extra shit I gotta do because oh my god. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty good. I mean, like I'm also in the theater as well with you, which is mm -hmm. fun because I don't get too many theater uh, people on here either. Mm. And to be honest, seeing everything come back is making me so happy. Oh my gosh, I've I am so fortunate to like, I I was very lucky during the pandemic that even though theater was shut down, I, there's an opera company that I was contracted to work with, a very small group, uh, Killer Queen Opera. You can check them out online. I believe it's um, Killer Queen uh, Opera dot com or dot org. Yeah. I, I will I will confirm that, but um, but they were supposed we were supposed to do a live performance last june and that didn't happen um and they they instead used the uh like the funding that they had gotten for that live performance to do a filmed version and they did it on a closed set we did it over the course of a weekend and that really scratched an itch for me like for performing that i just i i was so despondent for a long time because i wasn't getting that performance uh outlet in my life which is like I don't know for for I think a lot of theater people like you know not being able to perform not being able to especially not being able to perform in front of an audience yes uh, is yeah. so hard and so working with them was great and they actually um that film is actually going to be coming out uh this summer I think hey. probably probably in July and it's going to be free uh Killer Queen is like funded by you know local uh arts grants and education grants and so everything they make is fully accessible to anybody who wants to watch it um, that's cool. so that's, that's going to be really, really cool. And now in the aftermath with everything coming back, like a lot of people who I didn't see for over a year are now like reaching out and saying, Hey, we're doing a concert. Are you interested? Or like, I I'm doing a cabaret next week, um, like in person in a restaurant. And that's really exciting. Um, it, it's really, I agree with you. Like it's emotional, seeing all of these uh creative people like getting back out and performing in front of folks like i'm i'm so grateful to live in new york because there's so much theater here 
and um and I'm so excited to to get out and see it let alone like yeah. perform in it you know it's it's really exciting it's true there is no feeling like it like I did um I obviously I did it in high school when mm-hmm. I was sec group but then I had a part in a production god time feels meaningless anymore I think two <laughs> years ago and I still keep in touch with everybody and such too and a bunch of stuff happened and then COVID happened so couldn't mm-hmm. do anything but there is like I still have like a, a piece of my costume with stuff from the like uh, promotional pieces and whatnot and like a little mm-hmm. letter just hanging right now in my room for me right now in the studio so it's I there's nothing like it like especially performing in front of an audience like I've done it for comedy skits before film stuff and such like that too red carpet things but theater I think is something that and folks listening we'll look at the comics don't we but <laughs> this, this, I just thought about that, like oh wait a minute but I think theater there's something a little bit more intimate about it Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, I think it's a part partially because you know it's ephemeral. Like no theater performance is ever going to be the same as any other theater performance. And it's, yeah, like, even back to back a day to day, like they're like, oh, we did it through the weekend, and like, oh, did you have fun? Like, yeah, yeah. But I think this was the best performance here. Mm-hmm. But then compared to, the other, I tried to explain it to my father, who's not really a theater guy, and we were doing that, and he's like, what are you talking about? It's all the same. I'm like, eh, not really, because. There's things like improving lines. Sometimes there's like improv things that happen. Sometimes there's a mistake on set. Like it could be like ours was a combat heavy performance. And I don't know if you've ever done any of those before, but those sometimes you got to improv a good two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes things happen. It's like, oh no. Like I think we had three months of combat training to do and on My top God. of line training. Before we did like a two month long run of the show. I was like, oh my God. Oh, it was rough. It was rough, yeah. it was, but it was fun. Like in, I think every time you do it, it's like I said, it's very intimate. Almost. I agree. I, I a lot of that comes down to the audience too. Like I was in um, the last like big production that I was in would have been um. It's so weird because I have to I have to like kind of remove a year from my timeline because yeah. of because of the pandemic. But um, yeah. it would have been uh, I yeah, 2019 in the summer of 2019, I was in a production with New York City Opera that was commemorating the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising. Oh, wow. And and the opera was about Stonewall, and it was a lot of fun to do. I was in the chorus, uh, but that was one where we had, I think, oh my God, how many was it? Like five performances, I think, maybe six. And every night was really different because, uh, like, you know, you had your matinee performances, which were maybe a little bit sleepier. We had, like, our opening night performance, which had a bunch of, like, Instagram influencers and drag queens and stuff coming to it. And, like, Whoa. the energy was always so different every single night. And it it... Like, yeah, like you said, it's I'm I'm repeating you. But yeah, it, it, the intimacy, I think so much of it comes from the fact that you you are performing, but the audience has to be in on it. Like, you know, the audience is a part of it because they are uh, accepting the fact that they are going to sit in a room for two or three hours watching people on stage. Like they exactly. are absolutely a part of it. And it, it feels good to know, like maybe there was a mess up and there's a laugh or mm-hmm. it's like the and. Maybe there's like, uh, <laughs> like you get the uh, maybe a very intense scene that you're acting out, and you know, some somebody goes in there, oh hell no, and it's like something like that, and, or I'm, that happened once, or it's like whoa, and the cheering and all yeah. that sort of jazz. Like, I people, some people don't like that, but I, I love when we get the audience feedback like that because 
it helps. I think it's motivation too. When you're on that stage, like you, you're nervous. Like I, it don't matter how many times you're doing it. Like you're nervous about it the whole time because you got so many gears turning, so many people relying on each other. Mm-hmm. That you know when it goes well, or maybe it does mess up, but you still get that good audience feedback. You're like, okay, we're still doing good. We haven't lost them yet. Like we're still mm-hmm. all together on this adventure. Oh my God. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. There's always, even the most seasoned people, there's always going to be some aspect that they are nervous about. And like the, the most exhilarating feeling is, um, I, for me at least, I think is being in the scene with someone else and realizing that you're really in it, that you're just in that moment with that person. Um, and you have the audience there and there's a, there's a, an electricity to it. And that's, that's true, whether you're on a tiny stage or a huge stage. Exactly. And, and the, the kind of talk about it too, is you are a hundred percent a forever family, mm-hmm. even like no matter what, like if a person leaves, like that crew, the cast, everybody all together, like that's a forever family, especially if mm-hmm. you're doing like that month long performance or two month long or even longer. Shit. Yeah. Like you all get very intimate with each other and know <laughs> every little thing about each other's lives. You really do. And you and you care. Like you mm-hmm. could be like, I haven't talked to a person in six months. And then you see him or you talk, be like, hey, how's it going? And it's like brother or it's sister or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's a whole thing. I love it to death. Like I work yeah. a lot in film, I've done more work in film, but I think honestly, like theaters. Theater, theaters of love for sure. Absolutely, yeah, and you know, I, I, and again, folks, I promise we're gonna get to comics, but no, the yeah. film, <laughs> film is another one where I'm still kind of cracking that 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 nut for myself. Like, I would love to do some film stuff. Um, it's, I think, it's just hard because I think for me, coming from a theater background, especially an opera background, everything is very big, everything is very gestural. So learning how to bring that back and pull that in, um, and learning to be on camera is something that. Um, I enjoy a lot. I would like to do more of it. And that's something where in, in that same vein though, like when you're in a scene with someone and you're not thinking about the camera and you're just experiencing that scene with them, I think that's that that's something that you can find both in on stage and on camera, like no matter what. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the kind of like help out a little bit with you and transitioning from like doing more film and such. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of people who I know that have actually done a lot of theater and some good mm-hmm. friends of mine who work at Netflix and such. Like they've done a lot of theater in the past and then transitioned the film. And it is somewhat difficult, but like you said, but honestly, like you're doing a better off than a lot of other people because you know what to do. Like, I don't know. A lot of people use their theater experience and it gets mm-hmm. them, way great places so you're you're doing pretty good actually <laughs> thank like, you I think you're, yeah i think i think you're still, and you're doing podcasts right now like mm-hmm. that's obviously podcasts are huge at the moment so mm-hmm. because everyone got back into them and now people going back to work even more mm-hmm. so i you're doing auto dramas like i don't i think it's off to a good start like everyone who's done theater in the past and goes to film mm-hmm. especially theater for a long time and i mean you're doing stuff in new york like you're off to a good start already you gotta you, I... you gotta you're, you're ahead of the curve ahead of the most people Thank you. And I'm, I am very fortunate. I'm very fortunate that I'm able to do these things. And I, I love it. The, I think the, the biggest thing, and, and this is, might be a good segue, is like the biggest thing that I would love to be able to do right now um, is really like write material, not just for myself to perform, but for other people uh, that I, you know, either that I work with or friends that want to break into doing, doing more uh, performance work. Like I, I would love to write some material and, and perform it either on stage or on film or are on, on a podcast. Like I am very interested in bridging that gap between my performance life and my writing life. Is that how you got in the comics? Because I just had that realization <laughs> of like, 
how wait a minute here is this like how people see me like they, they i tell them all this stuff like should i've even done stuff in the military before like you, you tell people all this stuff and they're like oh yeah and i write comics like how the fuck does it, how how is it like the transition like was that your like your art side you want like was that it like you just wanted to be get more into writing and that led you to comics in a way or have comics always been there through this journey with you it's always been there and it's a very like kind of wibbly wobbly incestuous thing i i when i was young like uh growing up in california um i read a lot of comics i actually read more comics than books for a long time because i found uh i found that with a lot of prose books i found them very boring and i liked comics because there was a, a visual element to them and then as i got older and shifted away like i only knew about either superhero comics and or manga and I uh started reading prose books and especially like the works of Terry Pratchett and a lot of uh science fiction and fantasy which really appealed to me and I kind of fell off of comics for a while and then I moved to New York uh after college and I got really into web comics Mm. and with web comics there's this there's this separation between the artist and the reader that kind of goes away it's you know with with publishing like you can send a letter to the editor or you know you if you read a comic especially as a kid it it takes you a long time to realize oh a person makes this um but with web comics those people are just online and you can email them or reach out to them on social media and i started um i started reading a lot of web comics uh and through them found the new york comic scene and i got really into indie mm-hmm. comics and i uh i started going to like here we have a thing called mocha fest it's the museum of cartoon and comic arts and i found i figured out what graphic novels were and um and I like I had always read comics. I'd always loved them, but I didn't realize that it was like something that you could do. And especially for me, like coming from I had I had studied music all through high school and college. I firmly was like, I'm going to go to Juilliard and I'm going to be an international opera singer. And the more time that I spent in New York and the more time I spent not getting into Juilliard, I started realizing like, hey, there are other aspects of my personality and my life that I want to explore here that are available to me. And so what happened was I started out running just a blog. Uh, I think I called it, I called it web comics weekly, not knowing that there was actually a website called web comics weekly. And then it was like a a bit of a, (laughs) Oh, yeah. You're like in a little bit, as soon as you discover it, you're like, Oh, I'm getting sued. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was, I I think uh, that was around the time though. Like I, I had done it for, I think, maybe a year and my my reviews were really long they were almost insufferably long because i would like i would break down all of these aspects that i thought were interesting or i would re- i would recommend things or i had like a at, at the time i had like a detailed thing was like you know people who like this will like that and i was very um interested in recommending things and i thought like this is it i'm going to be like a I'm going to be doing comics journalism. And um around the time that i found out about the actual website web comics weekly i ended up um getting a little freelance gig writing comic book reviews for a website called The Absolute, which is now defunct. Um, and that kind of springboarded me. It gave me uh, a portfolio of work that I could then take to other freelancing stuff. Mm-hmm. I became very, um, I became very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, (laughs) my my brain is escaping me no but I just became very familiar with uh, Ah. a lot of comics a lot of titles a lot of I I got very very interested in um the different publishers and what they were putting out and um 
somewhere along the way, I started realizing that I had stories that I'd always like figured I would just someday write out in prose that would make good comics. And I got very interested in looking up a lot of guidelines online about how do you write a comics manuscript? How do you make a comic? And because I am not uh, an illustrator by any means. And um, funnily enough, I met my partner, Liz Parlett, who's an illustrator through Tumblr back oh. in the day. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the old days, feels like. <laughs> yeah, and we ran in the same circles. And we started um, kind of jokily collaborating as friends on fan fiction. And then we developed an original idea that I remember um, we kind of had the realization that it had to be a comic. And from there on out, um, and that comic has not uh, has not been published anywhere. We actually have been um, it's been in develop for a development for a long time, but we really want to uh, to get it published the traditional way. But because of that, because of that collaboration, I kind of learned how to be a collaborator with an artist. I taught myself how to write out a manuscript. Um, and then and then later we ended up falling in love. But that's another story, um, <laughs> which is adorable, by the way. I love that <laughs> very, very much. I, that's that's that right there could be a really good book. I know. Right. This is I'm going to I really need to get them to uh, to agree to let me turn it into a book. But yeah. <laughs> otherwise, uh, like uh, aside from that, though, then what happened was, you know, I, I got more comfortable writing comics manuscripts. We uh, we collaborated on a few little ideas while working on this big, massive project that uh, that we developed together. And then after we started dating, I saw a call for submissions to an anthology called Shout Out, which was um, published by Toronto Comics Press. Mm. And it was specifically looking for like queer, um, like YA genre fiction, like short comics. And I thought, this is great. Like, you know, we, we have this big, massive comic, like multiple graphic novel comic that, you know, we don't know how we're gonna get it off the ground. So let's start some with something small and get our names out there. And that's what we did. We got accepted. It got published in there. And then through that, we were actually, and through like a lot of submitting and a lot of like asking people, because while all this was happening, I, I was working in a literary agency and was meeting other publishing people. And we were able to find an agent through that. And um, I still, to this day, think that uh, like, you know, I, I consider myself very, very lucky that my partner is an amazing illustrator because I think that's what caught his eye, our, our agent, Pete Ryan. And um, he was ultimately the one who got me in touch with Legendary for the King Kong, the, the Kingdom Kong gig. And that's sort of where I'm at now. Like, you know, I Liz, Liz and I have developed a few different uh, comics projects that we are trying to pitch. I'm uh, like, you know, I'm developing a few different things that uh, I would hope could potentially be published within the next few years. It's been a weird, long haul that suddenly is like, I, once once you start feeling the momentum of it, it starts, you start really feeling it. But like there, there was a stretch there for, let's see, what year is it? I, there was a stretch there for about nine years where a lot of this was just me and Liz on uh, Skype until four in the morning, uh, just coming up with ideas and developing stuff and, and learning on the fly and learning how to work together. And that's sort of how I ended up... Uh, 
really like really becoming comfortable writing comics and now it's just I love doing it I I never want to stop you put in a lot of work I hope people (laughs) realize this now like you've done so much work you two like it, it 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 proves it proves that there is a lot like I've had people that are like, oh, my God, you're such a big fan of comics. Why didn't you write comics? And like, and now that I am, and people are like, well, oh, you're doing all these stories and stuff like that. He's in these stories. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, well, you know, you should have started sooner. Like, you know it's not a simple process, right? <laughs> yeah. I, it's like because I never had – like, I was just a writer. I didn't have an illustrator. Like, I didn't meet my lovely girlfriend yet. And she – she's also an artist too. But – right? Uh, but the thing – like, I – I don't know how, how to best put this. It sounds embarrassing, but it's not like I would spend till like early in the morning. I'd like be listening to music and writing stories. Like I, mm-hmm. ideas that I had, and there's folders on my Google account of like all these different comic stories that I had, and like characters. Because I was like, I have these stories. Maybe one day, then right, I met the right person and work at mm-hmm. SGGS Comics now. Like it's a. I think people need to realize, like when you write comics or hell, when you even draw the comics and bring mm-hmm. to life a little bit. It's, it's a long process and but once, once that domino falls though it's it's brilliant and you you realize you you wake up one day and you're like oh god how did i get here <laughs> wait wait hold on here it's so funny because i remember like even maybe 5 years ago especially like this was when we were we first started pitching a while back and it was very much like we were cold submitting to agencies and getting form rejection rejections like 7 months later you know it was very much like we scary. we yeah. No, oh my God. Yeah. Like we, we put together a little portfolio um, and we were just filling out these, these, you know, f- what are they called? Like the, the forms on the websites or like, you know, yeah. submitting stuff through emails and praying that someone was going to see it. And then well, we I did that. that. I remember yeah. doing that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and we, we did that for like a good solid year, uh, maybe longer actually. But um, you know, we'd been doing that for a while and we were like, Oh, maybe we should just look, maybe we should kickstart it. Like maybe we should look into self-publishing. And honestly, it was through a recommendation of a friend um, that we got in touch with Pete, our agent. And um, he, it's so funny because even after we signed with him, we were still getting rejections like months later from people that we had applied to like the year before. Um, it was, it's, it's the sort of thing where, you know, you, you really, you really have to put yourself out there. You, you have to accept that there's going to be a lot of rejection, but also, especially when it comes to like comics and comics, like in this, uh, like atmosphere, the way that like the internet works now, five years ago, I remember thinking to myself, there's no way anybody's going to care about what I'm doing. There's no, like, like. You know, there are so many talented people out there who already have a following. Why should I assume that I'm going to have any success? And I know so many people who their advice was always, you've got to just do it. Like, don't wait for someone to tell you that it's time. You just have to be making it and trust that once it's out there, someone will like it. And now I'm one of those people where, like I I said, I think in an interview uh, for the, the Kingdom Kong book, like I never would have thought that I would have gone from having nothing published to suddenly like writing the graphic novel tie-in for a major motion picture. Like there, I- yeah, in an iconic one, by the way, uh, severely like, oh, like who'd you write for? Was it Wolfman? No, 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 King Kong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh my God! And that was that was something where I was like. When I got it, because I, I did have to audition for it. Like, they didn't just say, oh, you're perfect, you know, unknown writer. Makes like sense. I, yeah. I, I auditioned for it, and they liked me. And I remember sitting there going, like, why? 
like <laughs> what did oh, I do <laughs> what like and I remember I remember my first thing when I got it like I I flipped out and I I turned to Liz and I was like do you think anybody else applied <laughs> like well, I mean yeah now an honest person would be like yes an honest loving person would be like yes uh, someone yeah. who's like I don't know I'm like eh, do I heard of it do I not uh no hon <laughs> yeah. not at all um but by the way, that had yeah. to be getting that gig, by the way, because I'm a huge kaiju fan, by the way. Mm-hmm. Massive. Mm-hmm. And one of my books I write is called Monsters and Bullets. It is about giant monsters in the Vietnam War. Because I was like, oh, let's, let's add up. Yeah, right? Like you say, add a different perspective, capture all different messages and whatnot. That piece is actually an option, all sorts of things like that. But doing con itself, like writing, getting Kingdom Con and then writing that, because we got to talk about that. Because how. Mm-hmm. That's to me, I would probably cry for a good week <laughs> of happiness. If, and if it was Godzilla, I would believe like my girlfriend slept with somebody to give me this gig. <laughs> like, what did she do? What happened? <laughs> what? It's so funny. Like, I, I will, I will cop to the fact, like, I, I love kaiju and I, up until getting this gig, I hadn't thought much about King Kong. I hadn't thought of King Kong as a kaiju. Um, and the way that I love kaiju is very much outside of the kind of the Godzilla mythos, which, you know, I, I have now come around to really appreciating it. But at the time, I remember being like, me? They want me for this? Because the kaiju stuff that I really loved growing up was like... Um, Power Rangers. I loved Power Rangers. I was huge into it. Um, and like, and you know, to a, to a lesser extent also, you know, like, like Voltron and, um, like the, I I could say some things about the new TV show, but I won't. Um, but, um, but no, like old, old anime, like, you know, especially like mecha anime that also is about like fighting giant monsters. And, you know, I loved the first Pacific Rim. I was obsessed with that movie. Same, same. it was one of the it was one of the ones where I felt like it did the best job I had ever seen of balancing the human story and the kaiju and everything. But with um, Max, with Max as well, like balancing Max. a trinity because balancing all that, you can either get really cheesy, really stupid, and you're like, damn it, they had potential, or you could be really good, like Pacific Rim, like. Yeah. <laughs> Oh I, I, yeah, that was good. Oh my god, yeah, no, I I loved Pacific Rim, and it's funny because with um with the King Kong thing, when I got it, um I I will admit I hadn't seen any of the legendary MonsterVerse movies, oh. and I I watched them afterwards so that I could uh so that I could kind of bone up on them, That's but good. the way the way that that happened actually because I had a very short turnaround to get the um the initial audition in, and when I say audition like for the record it's uh it's a pitch essentially like they give you a very very limited brief like i knew what it was for and i knew that like it was going to be tying into the next movie but i like they couldn't tell me anything because it's all under nda and so they gave yeah. me a very like two sentence very low information brief and then i had to come up with a pitch and so i didn't have time because i had to get it done in like a day, I didn't have time to uh, watch all the movies. So I just read all of the, like the Gojipedia and like every IMDb oh. thing I could find just to catch myself up. Yeah. And so then I wrote the pitch, I sent it and they liked it. And then I was able to, um, to kind of get more information and, and work with them and get a better understanding of the, the world they were building. Um, and in the process, it was so funny because like I, I don't know how I lucked into getting to write the story that had a human element because 
obviously Greg is incredible and his work with the Godzilla book entirely from Godzilla's perspective is really, really interesting. I remember thinking to myself, are they going to try to get me to write this from Kong's perspective? And I was worried because I wasn't sure how I would do it. You're like, and how then, the hell do I do that? <laughs> like, I, you can do Godzilla. How do you do Kong? Like, yeah, exactly. And like, with Kong, especially the way that they've characterized him, it's building off of previous iterations, but he's also like, um, they, they kept, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to tread lightly cause I can't talk too much about the actual development. Um, but like they, they kept saying like, you know, it's like heavy is the head that wears the crown, you know, like they wanted mm -hmm. him to have this feeling like they, they, I remember they referenced, um, Logan, like the Wolverine Logan oh. movie. Um, they wanted him to have this kind of grizzled, tired feeling. And, um, and so that was really interesting. But then the fact that I got to write, uh, a human element into it and using like my love of like power Rangers and old school anime to really draw on that, like, um, I, I know that for some folks, they're never going to like uh, the human characters in any monster movie. But what I tried to do no matter what with this one is I really wanted to imbue these characters with like a good story and make them interesting so that when they're sharing the screen with Kong, you get the feeling that you are reading an entire like a, a complete story uh, rather than just something kind of um, completely, you know, Un, uh, unattached Un, unrelatable in a exactly. way and it's that's what I loved about the human element that you put in for the book by the way because it, it was relatable it didn't feel forced and I'm like this is good like I I'm one I'm on where I'm like oh I like the human element in there I do I I'm not one that that hates them mm -hmm. and Alonzo's done right I love it and I was reading it and I'm like oh wait there's humans in this one because I read Godzilla Dominion first and then Kingdom mm -hmm. Come second and I was like oh there's humans in this one. Oh, all right. Let's see how this goes. Let's see how this goes. And I was like, this is really good. And especially oh. the ending too. I was like, this is, I'm not, I'm not lying. I swear to God, it's because I got you here right now. I am being honest here. I even rewrite it before I, before I, we did the interview because I'm like, I got to rewrite it again. It was good. The human element in there is something really tough to do. It yeah. really is. Like as personal experience, trust me, I know. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And the human element in there is tough. Like even when you think it sounds easy, it's tough. And I can see now that you've mentioned that your love for Power Rangers and stuff like that, the fighter jet pilot makes mm -hmm. sense. It, mm -hmm. And how she is, it makes sense. And I love it. I'm like, yes, yes. And I support yeah. her love. <laughs> Thank you. Like, yes. Thank you. No, that means the world to me. Thank you so much. And, and yeah, like with, with Audrey and the rest of the characters, um, like this is something I think I can talk about. Like the, it went through a lot of development and a lot of different iterations in the treatment before I started scripting. And there were a lot of questions as to like how many human characters we were going to have. And like, I, I worked through a few different um, ideas for Audrey's backstory. Um, but the thing that really broke the the story for me and what, what made sense for me was um, I wanted, I wanted Audrey to be at the focal point of this. I wanted her to be at the center of it, but I wanted to feel like she was actually interacting with the people around her. I didn't want this to just be the Audrey book with some Kong in it, or like, you know, I, I, I wanted it to feel like she was a part of this larger world. Yeah. So a big important thing for me was getting a feel for Houston Brooks's character, getting a feel for like who the other people on her team were. And then in the process of, writing those other characters and figure out figuring out how she'd bounce off of them and how they related to each other. Um, it helped me break the Kong side of the story too, because ultimately the book is really about um, 
cooperation and collaboration and learning yeah. to trust people to have your back. It's true. And that's that leads to one of my favorite human scenes there. Cause I love the monster action and the monsters themselves. Like they're really, really beautiful done and written too in the monster side. And the fa favorite scene human wise though, was when they were all together and they were remnant. Like it was, everyone's like, we've all lost people. Like, mm -hmm. and it was that whole scene where they're all talking about it. Like every, every come to find out every one of her crew has lost someone, the Titans. Like, mm -hmm. and I sat there and I'm like, I've had those, like that hits home. And that's yeah. very relatable for me. Like, not in a way of losing people to Titans or anything like that, but like <laughs> in a way, I wish we. That's the thing. Like, do I wish we live in the world of giant monsters? But uh, com <laughs> compared compared to this one, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's a good. I, I'm so glad. Uh, like, that's one too where I. I wanted to tread very carefully um, because, you know, I, I have not experienced any like combat. I am not a veteran and I genuinely like don't know any veterans. Um, and I wanted to be careful not to make the story about like, you know, pushing through your trauma and like, oh, yeah, you just have to you just have to work hard enough to not be traumatized anymore. Mm, yeah. And what I what I found made sense and based off of like research that I did and also just sitting with it and thinking about it was really uh, recognizing the fact that like the thing that's going to bring these people together uh, is their shared experience and their shared loss and recognizing that they're doing this um, they're doing this because they care about people and they care about the world they live in and um, and then in the same process like bringing that back around so that they are you know Kong is also a part of this world and ostensibly is sort of on the side that they're on or they have similar purposes and recognizing him as an ally rather than uh, an inconvenience yeah oh yeah and it's oh excuse me that's the whole thing about it like it, and it goes back to the cooperation factor of the book which I think is which is awesome like Godzilla Binion is like I'm ruling and then Kong the Kingdom Khan is cooperation and <laughs> friends and family and working with the giant monsters and it's like yeah well in <laughs> and a then lot also of... a little bit of crazy action it's like yeah yeah no in a lot of ways too because um i got to read a shooting script i got to read a couple shooting scripts before uh the movie came out and like before the book was finalized um okay. and something that like i i didn't want to make it too corny but the idea of collaboration and cooperation i wanted to see that with kong specifically because the movie involves him Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. But the, the movie involves um, like Kong and Godzilla teaming up and like yeah. recognizing each other's unique skills and, and supporting each other um, in like a big cool monster battle. But I, I wanted to maybe hint at the idea that Kong is not so proud that he's not willing to team up with someone in, in a very, you know, inhuman giant monster sense. And I wanted to sort of like keep that thread of, of, um, working together towards something in in this in this comic, I wanted to sort of seed that for for people who were then going to watch the movie. And on top of that, you got to write some really really cool Titans too, like some, <laughs> like, so, like really really cool terrifying ones to say the mm -hmm. least. Here, like some of the smaller ones that we see in the island before and in other books, and then now like some of them that were new. I, mm -hmm. I, oh my God, I, I'm drawing a blank on its name, but the, Amazon. The, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Them guys, the tiger. I'm drawing a blank oh yeah, the, the spirit tiger is the official yes, name, I guess. Spirit tiger, that thing, I don't know why I want to hug it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> they, know why. 
They need to make plushes of that because people love Dude. that guy. Oh my god, yeah. When that po- I had no idea that was in the book, and when that popped up, I'm like, oh my god, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was that was one where um I think yeah, I think that I can say this. Um, like I originally had written in a skull crawler just because I was like, oh, skull crawlers, like they're they're all over the place. Which makes and, sense. It's the island, yeah. Yeah. And um and the mythology team were like, actually, we would really love to fit this monster in. Do you wanna do you wanna give it a shot? And we talked a little bit about it. They, you know, they gave me some very basic information based off of like what they'd already published. And um the thing that stuck with me, I think. I think the mythology team at Legendary, the way they characterized it is they said, we kind of want it to evoke the feeling of a unicorn, that it's this beautiful, untouchable thing, but it's actually very, very dangerous. And so that's what I went with in writing it that like, um, and then I think um, it was worked into the, uh, you can, you can read this in the back of the book. It was worked into the um, mythology of the creature that like, it basically is like emitting a, a sonic frequency or like a pheromone that basically makes you feel euphoric. Yeah, you noticed that in the book too, because I was wondering, like, what's going on with this guy? Like the whole time, like, like I like I get it. I'm I would be fascinated too. But even I, who work with like fourteen long crocodilians <laughs> on the weekends, know like, hey, they're beautiful as hell. But you're uh... yeah. Yeah, and the, the, that was that was a lot of fun to work with. Um, and then with Camazots, that was another one where, um, in the very very early stages, we were we thought we were going to be working with a different uh, monster, and then they um, they brought me Camazots, um, and I was like, oh, this sounds dope. This sounds really cool. Right, big mutated giant bat. And it's yeah, like, and um, and th- and that was something where. Um, we went back and forth a lot on like what he would be able to do. And I definitely, I think I mentioned this in an, in an interview that I like did a whole bunch of research into bats and I did all this research mm-hmm. into like the Popolva and, um, and I was like, Oh, maybe he like secretes a, a numbing agent and he want, you know, and he like his, his wings are Vanta black and they're like, we don't have yes. time to establish oh. all that. <laughs> no, but I appreciate I, you're that good of a writer. You do research. <laughs> to thank be honest you. Thank you. Well, I, I, I'm the type of writer who, um, if I, if I don't know enough about a thing, I can't just write around it. I really hate writing around things. I, I have the, I have the bad habit of, um, bookmarking where I'm at in writing and then spending three days on research and then realizing like, ah, crap, I'm, I don't need all of this stuff. I don't need I don't need to know how, like, like I, um, for a completely unrelated thing, um, I, I spent like days researching the, the Kamchatka Peninsula in Russia, which is like the most active volcanoes on earth. And I was like doing all this research and I was like, oh my God, this isn't important at all. Like, what, what am I doing? It, I mean, uh, you could say you took a science vacation because exactly. listen, it sounds really cool. Actually, I'm going to look into that <laughs> after this show. This this is the thing. I am a big research junkie, and that, that like what was interesting with um with with Kong, um is that like, I I, what I learned in working on it because you're working not only with the editors but also the film team is that like you know I would do a lot of uh, like recommending of like you know oh what if we did this and that and this, and ultimately like you do still have to work within what legendary is is uh kind of making the canon of the film. And um, and that was something I'd never had to do before. And it was uh, a big learning learning process. It was very worthwhile. Like I I definitely had to kill a lot of darlings in the development process. Oh. And yeah, it's, it's the sort of thing where like learning to work within their framework, learning to kind of um, 
find the middle ground between what you want and what they need uh, was a was a big learning process. And I, I am very deeply grateful to Legendary for uh, for allowing me to sort of learn on the job there. Which is cool, which it's good. And it's to me, this is all stuff that people listening and future writers or possibly writers listening, because I know they're out. I know you guys. Mm -hmm. I know you um, should take really good notes from you, to say the least here. <sighs> Because it's true. Because I mean, I can say shit all on day, and they're like, "You're just a stupid kid." And like, yeah, fair enough. But I'm 24. But hey, whatever. But you know, the thing being, like, you're the one who got out there and did this really cool thing, and the professionalism and such there too. It's very true. Like, you did re hell. Like I said, research, mm -hmm. research the thing you're writing, and that's not a lot of people do that. They're like, "Oh, I know about World War II," and it's like, mm -hmm. "Well, you missed some crucial points there, buddy." And like, uh. I think it's a whole thing about research and mm -hmm. adapting to what you're writing and such too. I mean, hell, I may have my own giant monster book, but I'm completely jealous. Like, <laughs> I'd, I'd kill for the opportunity to write for Connor Godzilla. Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. Legendary, whatever. No, um, <laughs> like it's cool. Like it's it's something pretty cool. And honestly, it had to be nerve wracking though. To me, I mean, was it because putting new monsters in there, writing for Kong because it's mm -hmm. such a fandom in the monster verse? Like, honestly, was it nervous a little bit? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like there were definitely a few moments in the process of of developing and writing it where um, and, you know, and this is I will say for future writers like, you know, you're allowed to freak out every now and then. But don't yeah. like don't don't diminish what you are bringing to something, especially like if you've already booked the gig like they want you. You know, they, they like this was a big thing for me was every few months I would hit like usually it's, I, I, I'd i hit a snag and I'd be like, I don't know how to write my way out of this. Or I would have written something and then they'd come back and be like, we got to change this for X, Y, Z reasons. And, um, you know, or like, oh, hey, yeah, we we like that thing, but it's just not going to fit because the book has to be like less than, you know, it has to be like 70 pages. And um it was this sort of thing where I just kept being like, I'm not good enough to do this. I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know enough about this. There's some big King Kong fan who's going to read this and hate it because I am like, I am a poser. And, oh. um, and, and yeah, like there were even, even up after I'd finished the script and there was, there was a kind of a, a window between when I finished the script and when I started getting pages from Zid, um, where I was just like, they're going to hate it. They're going to hate the whole script. They're going to fire me and they're going to hire someone else to write the entire thing. Um, like I have, I, I have ruined my career <laughs> it's, um, because yeah. no, I was just gonna say, because especially also with publishing is it, it moves quite slowly. And, um, and also yeah. that was around the time that the pandemic was starting. Um, so there was Even a lot more of, fear that yeah, to put on top of it. Yeah. And there was this sort of thing where like, um, because publishing can be very slow and because your editor is probably working on 18 different books, uh, there was a stretch where I wasn't hearing anything. And that's when, you know, that's when I started really doubting like a lot of like, oh God, like, what is this going to look like? What is this going to be like? Oh, I sh it's too wordy. I put too many words in mm. it. Like, what am I doing? And then I started getting the pages from Zid. And um, I, I just want to give a shout out to Zid. He is the most wonderful collaborator. He was so generous and effusive and, um, and like, he would come to me and be like, Oh, I really hope you don't mind. But like, I just, I adjusted some of the panels in this to get, make it more dynamic. I really hope you don't mind. And I would be like, this looks incredible. Don't apologize for making my <laughs> script look better. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like you fixed my, you listen, you helped my job a lot. You fixed me. <laughs> yeah, and like, Thank he, you. 
he was so excited. He was so like exuberant and excited to be working on it. And like, he would send me stuff and be like, what do you think of this? Oh, how do you like this? Oh, well, you mentioned this thing. Like, can you tell me more about it? Like, I th- I, I, I've mentioned this a couple of times in other interviews that um, I set a, a little flashback scene in an in and out. And, um, and then when, and when he sent it to me, I burst into tears because it was mm-hmm. exactly what I had envisioned in my head. And it was so that's like that scene's also emotional in the in the story. And I, it like there were so many moments where I was like, oh, my God, Zid is absolutely I, I, can, I can't imagine having done this with anyone else because he is absolutely the right person to have worked on it and, and seeing it, seeing my work through his eyes made me appreciate what I had done more and made me feel much more secure in in what I had provided him because there is a certain point where you have to realize like oh this can't this isn't all Zid because you know he is following my script and if it looks good then there's something good in my script yeah um and that like again for for writers out there um if you like if you don't have any artistic collaborators and you're just writing that's okay and like you know work on work on yourself work on uh on developing your voice but if you have an artist that you can work with as a collaborator if you can like learn to work with them and see the way that your work is transformed through their art it is such a rewarding experience that you just you you don't get any other way it is so important if you want to write comics to treat your artist like a, a collaborator an equal collaborator and to like see the ways in which only they can uniquely tell a certain story mm-hmm. that's beautifully put Thank and you. it's the reason why you're a better writer than i am <laughs> no don't say that <laughs> i mean hell it's also a thing too where it is an effort. Like, it is a team effort. And mm-hmm. every episode, whether it's artist or writer I have on here, we always make sure we talk about it. it writing comics is a team effort. Mm-hmm. It, it really, without, like, the working in and it, it sounds like you guys, like, it's really, they got the two perfect people to coincide. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you guys bounce real well together and helped each other out. And two, by the way, the amount of, if I could count the amount of times I've cried while getting pages done on mine back from my artist Paul, my books, yeah, listen, you could fill the, you could fill a water reservoir with those tears. <laughs> Because it's true, and I want to talk about that confidence thing too, real fast. Because we're coming near the end of the show, don't worry. Yeah, yeah. But the confidence thing too, it's something that happens. I mean, shit. I I think it happens really with any art form that you do. Mm -hmm. You know, artist, writer. Like you get those. You're like, is it going to be good enough? I'm scared about this. Oh, I'm doing this same wrong thing. Like I have a dinosaur book too, and I've done work. I've literally worked in the paleo lab before, Mm -hmm. and I've done fossil expeditions and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, a dinosaur comic. Before we posted it on social media, that book, I was really scared because I'm like, oh God. And we're like, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be available in print later on. But I'm like scared because I don't want to upset the paleo community because like, I'm one of you guys. Like, hold on here. Like, I don't, you're like, oh, you know, there's stuff. Like, man, it doesn't feel like it. It's that whole jitters thing, I think, that until after something comes out, you're going to have it. And I don't think maybe a partner can calm it, but it's really tough to calm, I think. Yeah, no, I completely understand. And like, this is something that um, I do think that 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 feeling is is going to be there across the board for any creative person. I think with with writers, we have this very unique 
experience that I don't think anybody else truly gets because we take something out of our heads and then, especially with comics, but also if you're writing for, for stage or audio or film, you are seeing it transformed and being changed, like the, the, the changing of hands between either your artist or your cinematographer, your actors, your editors, like there is so much collaboration and it can be both very uh, intimidating because with writers especially, like you can, it can be very easy to feel like um, the thing in your head will never match what you, or rather the, the, the thing that you put on paper will never match the thing in your head, like that perfect idea. Mm. Um, but then what's beautiful is that the minute you put it in the hands of other people, it's no, it's not just yours anymore. And then you get to appreciate it from the objective standpoint of, oh, this is something that is not just mine. It's something that all of these people took part in. And I think that's, that is a, a really uniquely wonderful experience that I, I encourage anybody who wants to write, even people who write prose or like novels or journalism, write something to be performed or write something to be adapted into something else, because it is such a, it's a big learning experience, but it's also like such a rewarding experience. It's true. It's, yeah. It goes back to what we talked about in the beginning. It's very intimate and it's very yeah. personal when yeah. you're writing it. And then you're 100% right. When you see anything come to life, it's almost like seeing your child grow up in a way. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like it's like your personal little baby. And then when it goes off, you're like, yeah. Like the first uh, the play that I did, it was the first time I was ever it was the first time I was ever performed and such. And then I was like, yeah. And then seeing the like someone else play and I'm like oh feel dirty <laughs> like, <what are> you? <laughs> and then like when you see someone else play your character you're like oh that's awesome but it's it's like that's really cool like it and is, to see yeah. people read the book and it's a whole thing it's a whole thing but I do want to say we've been almost doing this for about an hour now almost is I definitely want to say is thank you for coming on to the show this is this has been a blast Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful talking to you. Likewise, likewise. And I'm going to put it on record that whenever you have anything else come out, if you want, I'll make an ad for it. I want to put it on a record for you so you can say it was true. I'll make an ad for it, do whatever you like, whatever you two are up to, you and your partner, like for bookwise and such. Let me know. I'll put something out there. If you ever want to come back on the show and talk about it, the door is always open. Thank you so much, Dakota. I really appreciate that. This has been so lovely. And, um, no, now I now I need to check out your books because they sound really cool. <laughs> when the website comes out, I'll send you a link. <laughs> please do. Please I'll send do. you free copies. Ah, thank you. Of course. Oh my of gosh. Course. Um, don't worry, and don't worry about it. Yeah, free of charge and such, and free merch. But who knows? That's <laughs> I can't say more. Otherwise, I'm gonna get in trouble. Ah, uh, <laughs> shit. Ah, uh, shit. Well, like I said, I'll let you know when the episode comes out. Okay. Thank you so much. Sweet. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Okay. Yeah, you too. Take care and have a great day. <laughs> too. Bye. Bye.